the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt. Our podcast is sponsored by Alliance Defending Freedom. ADF provides help at no cost to those whose liberty is being violated, but they can't do it without your help. Call 800-691-8969. That's 800-691-8969. Or visit townhallreview.com. Dr. Larry Arn, the president of Hilltail College, should talk about what is a genuine constitutional crisis. In the history of Great Britain, this will go down as one of those moments like Robert Peel in, 19, in, in 1846, I believe it was, when Robert Peel split the Tory party. Dr. Larry Arn is with us. The Hillsdale Dialogue has begun. Dr. Arn, welcome. Do you agree with me that we are at one of those inflection points in British history that really oh, yeah. must be attended to? Yeah, when, you know, one... One not unlikely thing is the reduction of the Tory party to third or fourth party in the state. It's just, uh, you know, it sort of depends because there are, what, 21, I think, of the MPs who've been, uh, the, the conservative whip has been withdrawn from them. Yes. And, and the rule, and what that means is the, the parties in Britain, in America too, the parties have whips and um there's a majority whip and a minority whip, and they have sub-whips. And the whips, <laughs> that's what the name implies. Their job is to go around and whip the members and make sure they vote the way the party says. And so if you in, – in the rules, and I only know this by implication, it used to be that if the conservative central office and the prime minister and cabinet, if, if the party was in the majority, wanted you out, they had to go talk to your local selection committee uh, to try to get you deselected, Neville Chamberlain tried to do that to Winston Churchill in 1938. And uh, now, it's, from what they're saying in the press, the rule is that if they withdraw the whip, they cannot stand for election. But as a conservative, that's just decisive, apparently. And I, my source for that is Churchill's grandson, Christopher Soames, who's one of the 21 who was. Who had his whip with? So this is a moment of great peril for Boris Johnson, and I think it is a moment where your famous phrase on this show, fundamental things are afoot. They're afoot in Hong Kong, they're afoot in the United States, they are afoot in Europe, and they are most certainly afoot in the United Kingdom. How much of this have you been breathing in this week? <laughs> well, more than I want. <laughs> uh, although this British stuff is kind of fun. Because Boris Johnson is fun. He's, uh, he's just resolute. And, and uh, this, you know, because so the, the events that have happened this week so far are that uh, the parliament, the, uh, with, the, with the help of the speaker, who's one of the most colorful and probably unconstitutional speakers in British I history. call him the Aaron Burr of British politics to make it accessible to American audiences. <laughs> Extraordinary the things he does. Well, the point is, they voted by a majority of 29 to forbid the prime minister from leaving on October 31 and to extend the deadline for three months. 
And so he, and that cuts, and see, if you just think about it, so before we explain the next thing, this thing is he's in negotiation with the European Union right now. And the only lever that he's got is he's got, we're just going to walk away then. And what they've done is taken that out of his hands. And he, he only has that lever because there's a deal that was negotiated, but the parliament has never approved it. And when Christopher Solomon says, by the way, that Boris Johnson has not voted for every withdrawal deal, that's a fact. And the reason is he doesn't like the one that Theresa May negotiated because it has some terrible features in it and would, in fact, mean that the European Union would continue to compromise the sovereignty of the British people. So, so, and Soames voted for all of those, right? And, uh, and so, so, uh, he doesn't have anything. They took it. And so the, the natural remedy is that you now have an election. Yes. Nobody controls the parliament in a sufficient way to make policy, which is, by the way, effectively been the case since the Brexit vote, because Theresa May couldn't get anything through either. And so she did call an election. Uh, and she didn't campaign about Brexit. She didn't make it a central thing in the campaign. And so what you got was a parliament that's somewhat confused on the issue because people didn't think that was an issue. They thought, we voted, it's going to happen. Well, it's not happening. So he wants another election. And then now another party rule comes into place. Because it used to be that if the cabinet and the prime minister consulted with the king and said, we want an election right now, they got it within three weeks. But in the, what is it called? The uh, five-year parliament, fixed term. Fixed term parliament act. David Cameron, uh, Theresa May's predecessor, and Theresa May is Boris Johnson's uh, uh, predecessor as conservative leader and prime minister. He got an act through that said, that a, such an election could only be called when there was a two-thirds majority for it. And that just seems to me like it's just a crazy thing, because what provokes the calling of an election is that the government cannot uh, command a majority for its policies. Well, if it can't command a majority for its policies, who, who's to say that they can get two-thirds to call an election? Now, Larry Arne, uh, could he not? Boris Johnson has been confronted with an unconstitutional denial of the ability to control the agenda by Burkow, the aforementioned Burr of British politics. And he is now presented with a law that uh, asserts his inability to control the foreign affairs power, which has constitutionally always been residing within the prime minister and his cabinet. Might he not just as soon either pack the House of Lords with a thousand leave lords for life, or might he do something even more radical, that's actually been done before, and say, I'm not going to do what you told me to do. I'm not well, going to do it. He has hinted at both of those things. And, uh, you know, if he if he does that, that would be chaos, you know, because well, here's what happens. It's like, if, if we get into the middle of a war in America, the 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 power, the real great power that the Congress has, which they've mostly given to the bureaucracy now, is to supply the means for the war. So let's say you get into a war and the and they cut off the funding for the troops and they're stuck over there in a battlefield somewhere and can't get home. Can't get ammunition, right? That could happen. And the British Parliament has the same power. They can cut off supply 
all of the things that the government is doing if they want to. Now, will they do that? You know, we've had crazy Congresses in America, and they seem to be getting crazier still, but they haven't done that. And, uh, and so I don't know if they would do that. And I don't know if it could be if, if because the parliament has voted a, a law is in place now that uh, there is to be a three-month extension of the deadline on the British side. Well, you know the European Union is going to respect that because they don't want them to leave, and they want this torture to go on indefinitely. But it requires all 20... do anybody else. It requires all 27 members of the EU to guarantee it, and Boris Johnson might be able to lure Poland into a veto of it. It's, but I do believe what is going on here, Dr. Arndt, is very important for us because it goes back to another of your formulations, the central question of our times. It's whether the people shall run the government or the government shall run the people. And you just heard Member of Parliament Bernard Jenkin put it very bluntly that they are overthrowing the vote where it was remain or leave. They're just not doing it. More British people voted to leave the European Union than have ever voted for anything. More than ever voted for anything. Winston Churchill, you know, anything. Uh, and, that, that you know, whoever wins the next election, the party that wins the next election, won't get as many votes as leave got in that referendum campaign. And the vote was 52-48, and that does establish that the country is divided, but there's a majority. And, see, in, in this, the, the eternal question in politics is the question of justice. And in modern politics, that takes the form, will you have consent of the governed and equal rights for all? Well, the threat to that in our time is the substitution of a new kind of government in, of which the European Union is the supreme example. And that is a sort of administrative, bureaucratic, semi-scientific form in which detailed things that affect close relations among people, even in local places, are worked out in the center by permanent officials. And that is transformation in American government. You know, if you, if the form of a thing is what it looks like, well, the American government looks different than it did in, in the early days because 90% of the laws are not made in the Congress and those agencies, about 150 of them that make them, they did not exist until the last 50 years, 60 years. And so that's a change, right? And it's very difficult for the people to exercise effective ongoing control over that morass. But now I, I believe in, in Great Britain, because of this confluence of events, that very question is the only question that will come when an election comes. And I've heard, and we will play, Nigel Farage and Boris Johnson and Ian Duncan Smith and Jacob Rees-Mogg say again and again and again, that will be the question in this election. Labor will try and muck it up, and they've gotten rid of the uh, austerity budget. They've, they're going to spend like, uh, like drunken sailors on the Tory t uh, benches. It's going to be the question. Isn't that good for politics generally, Larry Arn? It is, and one prays, because, you know, if you want to draw the dark scenario, well, the bright scenario is this. It, it's going to take another decision, right? And, and that's, you know, and that's too bad, but that's the state of things. And remember what this means is 
the forces that favor Remain are very powerful. They are. Right? I'm curious about, before I play the tape of Nigel Farage, your estimate of him. I know he's been to Hillsdale's campus. Uh, he is one of those unusual characters who appears when politics is broken. Uh, not unlike a number of people in 2016, people you would not have heard of before in the United States. Uh, and another one being Jacob Rees-Mogg, who's now the leader of the House of Commons, who, who appeared again from great wealth, and et cetera. But Nigel Farage is very much a man of the people. What is your assessment of him? Well, he was in Hillsdale for two or three days, and I talked to him quite a lot while he was here. That's how I know him. And of course, follow him in the press. But I, I'm, uh, I, I love a thing about him for which he's not famous, and that is his restraint. Uh, <laughs> he, he, he's not trying to leverage all of this into him being prime minister. He he wants he wants to leave the European Union, and he thinks for the sake of his nation, for its sovereignty, for its greatness, for its history, they need to leave. leave. And for consent of the governed, right? And so he just made that his purpose. And you know, when he when he, he more than any living person provoked the the vote on Brexit, he made David Cameron do it effectively because he was bleeding away Tory support in more than sixty percent of its constituencies. I mean, and, that's death, right? And he is, and and so, he, and so Cameron called the referendum. Confident it would lose and doing everything in his power. I mean, it was a major campaign to, you know, this is from the government, from the Tories. And there was no big political party that was keen for Brexit. Only UKIP, uh, Farage's party, the United Kingdom Independence Party. And then, darn, the people voted for, to, to go. That astonished the world, except Nigel Farage. And then Nigel Farage step back from politics, right? I did that thing I wanted to do. That's enough. Well, he's back now, and he's back because they're betraying the vote. And he is the whip that is preventing the conservatives, uh, you know, to go easily into the night of betraying this vote because it's a terror. You know, we don't, I myself pray for an election. It's time for an election. But the second thing is, I pray for clarity to come in that election. And he has founded even, another new party. UKIP is no longer his party. He's founded the Brexit Party. And it seemed to me that, that Nigel Farage was demanding no deal, uh, not just saying we'll support you, but he's demanding a clean break. Did you hear it that way? Yeah, but uh, I don't think that matters because that's where we are. And uh, And the truth is, there will be no deal unless no deal is imminent, right? In other words, they're not going to get there. You know, if the conservative party had run its business more artfully, they would have started talking about the fact that we're a big financial center and you need our money and, and, and about how we buy lots of BMWs and, and, uh, and uh, Mercedes and that we have a big trade deficit with you. And we are the sixth largest economy in the world and the second largest in Europe. And so it's in your interest to make out a deal. No deal is okay, right? We can live with that. wonder if you can. See, if they had done their business the way they should, and, and there's a reason why they didn't, 
and that is they didn't really want to go. Dr. Arn, on Thursday's Times of London, Lord London wrote a piece, Never Do Appeal. It still haunts the party today. He said that Boris Johnson is an accomplished classicist, prefers ancient Greece to famous Tory thinkers. He looks back in a world in which heroes thought resounding victories over their adversaries, ready to do or die. In some cases, though, their fate was to be exiled to remote bleak islands. It's impossible to think of any previous Tory leader who would ever have contemplated expelling more than 20 MPs. The only great split the party has suffered was in 1846, when 220 20 conservatives abandoned Sir Robert Peel to vote against him over the repeal of the Corn Laws. Peel's hundred-odd loyalists operated independently for a time before merging with the liberals under the right-wing Palmerston. That comprised most of the best brains of the party, including Peel's protege Gladstone. And for 30 years, the conservatives were unable to win a commons majority. Has Boris Johnson committed an error of that great historical significance in your assessment, Larry Arn? Uh, well, of course, I, I, I don't. I don't know what its significant, what its effects are going to be. None of us does. But uh, uh, what he's done is, in my opinion, the only way through. Because the bad news is, the Brexit vote is not going to go away, and the party that called for that vote and the party in control that promised to abide by that vote is going to be fundamentally damaged if it doesn't abide by that vote. And so uh, the Theresa May deal that was worked out with with uh, uh, the EU was not really a leave. Indeed, it, it left them extensively in the European Union, and it and it, it erected further barriers ever to leave. It left it entirely in the discretion of the EU whether the arrangements could be changed. And it, and it uh, left it in the hands of the European court to arbitrate disputes under the thing. And so that's not leave. Well, it, it, it's complicated enough that it can sound like leave. And so she worked that out, right? But that didn't fly because too many people called it out and remember the vote and actually want to leave. So the point is, he, he's doing... And that means that if they dither through this, you know, because there are two options now. Either there'll be a clear vote and they will leave. And my guess is that if it becomes apparent that they're going to leave no matter what, then they'll get an arrangement that'll be good. But either a clear vote's going to deliver that or we're going to dither for ages. And that is going to compromise the health of the conservative party more than the others because they're responsible for this, and above all, because they draw their support from the great, the people who are attached to the great traditions of England. Not only from people like that, but heavily from people who are like that. They are Tories. So I believe... In the, in the province. And I also believe there are people who are not Tories who are committed to the idea that Parliament ought to do what they're told by the people and that you will see a combined. I could be completely wrong, like you are admitting to doubt. I think if you take a traditional Tory lever and you add to them those who are disgusted with labor for betraying its commitment to leave, you may have a non-enduring but very powerful 2016 in America kind of cohesion of disparate forces. I don't know that that's ever happened 
on the conservative side in Great Britain's political history, maybe Disraeli in the reform election. But uh, what do you think? Well, uh, you know, first of all, <laughs> all political parties in in free countries seek to build enduring majorities. In free countries, all the decent parties are for stability. I mean, we don't get any anymore. But you could see how that could even become enduringly stable, right? Because the, the all the parties in Britain and America, for that matter, are social welfare policies. They believe in social safety net, right? And we argue only about how big should it be and how should it work. Uh, and so the, the old ground of the Labor Party, the Socialist Party, is deeply undercut by that. And, you know, Corbyn trying to, you know, recover their mojo, he's very left, you know. He's more for ownership of stuff by the government. So the point is that there's a party to be formed on hopes and praise, and that's the only way I see out of this, in Britain and America, by the way, that is in favor of equality and, and the social safety net, but also enterprise and private property and limited government under the forms of the Constitution. Yeah, you know, they, well, they do have to put out a manifesto, don't they? Does Boris Johnson have to put out a manifesto if they go to an election? Yeah. That manifesto. He's already putting it out. Jacob Rees-Mogg will be It will just be a beauty, a thing of beauty to read. Dr. Larry Arn, thank you again. Hey, thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt. Our podcast is sponsored by Alliance Defending Freedom. ADF provides help at no cost to those whose liberty is being violated, but they can't do it without your help. Call 800-691-8969. That's 800-691-8969. Or visit townhallreview.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.